a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Rebels and Imperials to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. I am joined tonight for a discussion of The Force Awakens by two of the three co-hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club, uh, everyone's favorite married couple in comics, Walter and Emily Richardson. Hello, folks. Hello. I mean, <laughs> I think we're at least second to the Imminents. Uh, maybe, maybe Fraction and KSD. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor? They're all right, I guess. I don't know (laughs) enough about. I I like Amanda Connor's art a lot. Um, I Palmiotti. I after reading all of Countdown, um, don't want anything to do with him anymore. Even though I know that's not his fault. That's kind of just the kind of stuff that he usually has to do. Yes. Yeah. That 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 tends to be his role. Um, Anyway, so as I I said at the top of the show, we're here to talk about Star Wars Episode Seven. Uh, the Force Awakens. This movie came out in 2015. Um, we had heard about it, I guess, about a year and a half before then. It had been announced that they were going to do a new Star Wars film, that J.J. Abrams was involved, that the original trilogy of stars was coming back for it. Um, you know, when all of this hype is starting to build, Walt, we'll start with you. Uh, what what were your thoughts about this? Like, what where was your Star Wars brain at this point in your life? So, you know, I've I've been a uh, fan of Star Wars pretty much as long as I can remember. Um, I'm, I'm sure pretty much everybody who's been on this podcast has said some variation of that sentence. <laughs> um, but in particular, you know, growing up in the early 90s, um, you know, when the special editions and like the particularly the toy line that was uh, at the time was big at the time. Um, so, you know, just pretty much my earliest memories in, um, of just like general pop culture awareness, um, extends to Star Wars. So knowing that there would be more and particularly that there would be more without Lucas, that this was kind of becoming this huge, I mean, Star Wars was already huge. Um, but in in a different way, without this guiding hand for better or for worse, um, I was, you know, I was excited a little bit, you know, kind of cautious. Um, like I didn't necessarily think that Disney buying Star Wars was like the death knell that some people thought it was. Um, right. I was probably more worried about JJ Abrams. Not, I'm just not like a, huge fan of his um didn't really love the star trek movies that much Hmm. um or the first one at least i didn't see the others um and i'm yeah just i was hesitant um but at the same time as it got closer and closer all semblance of like reticence slowly drifted away and by with the time it was like just like a month or two before release i was extremely excited and just purely nerding out about it. No real hesitation on my part at that point. Yeah. I do. <laughs> uh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, please. Oh, no, I was going to say, I do, I do remember that. Um, <laughs> like the months, the months leading up to it being kind of hype. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I, I've told this story before, but um, so the the tr- the first teaser trailer for the Force Awakens was released on Black Friday, a year before, like thirteen months before the film came out, mm-hmm. and um. My two best friends from high school, neither of which are exactly local, were both in town, and we were getting together for the first time. The three of us had not been in the same room in a couple of years, and they were coming over to my house. Aww. And they both are <laughs> Star Wars guys, but not to the level that I am. And I did not want to appear rude at this uh, proposition, so I just said, like, I'm going to use the bathroom, excuse me, and I went in the bathroom... And I watched it on my phone and I cried. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I had to like clean myself up, splash some water on my face, and then uh, and then go back out and talk to my my two dearest friends, who would not have judged me about this at all. But I just I just felt it was a very it was a very private moment. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you told me that before. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I guess, Walt, I'm a little bit older than you. You're 29? I can confirm. Neither confirm nor deny. Yes. Okay, so much. I am 37, so um, I, I've seen every Star Wars film in the theater because of the special editions, and... I grew up absolutely loving Star Wars, and uh, I had gotten into some of the novels when I was in middle school. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, as I got older, like I never watched the Clone Wars show as it was coming out. Um, I just kind of the prequels disappointed me so much that I had cordoned off Star Wars as to something that existed in my childhood. I really liked those three movies still, and. I didn't really think about Star Wars all that much outside of that, it, with the exception of like every now and then, somebody would recommend a book or a comic or something, and I would read a little bit. But I, 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 sure. I was not an active thinker of Star Wars stuff. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and then the Force Awakens trailer hit, and I was all in. <laughs> like I just, I, it really changed the way I thought about Star Wars. And you know, I like J.J. Abrams well enough. I was a big fan of Lost, which he co-created, yeah. although he had nothing to do with Lost, really. He did the pilot, and that's right. kind of it. Um, right. But I just think that, like, the residual joy I got from Lost always, I always kind of pointed that back to Abrams a little bit. And his yeah. Star Wars film, uh, Star Trek films, rather, like, they're they're not really what Star Trek is, but I'm mm-hmm. not really a Star Trek guy, so I didn't have uh-huh. a, a huge problem with them. I didn't love them or anything, but they, they were, you know, fine. But I, I think that Abrams has this reputation of being a guy who is um, who's like a fixer of franchises, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think mm-hmm. the Star Trek especially, the idea was like, he's going to make Star Trek for the new generation, whatever that means. Right. Um, and I think that because of that, I was slightly hesitant because I didn't think Star Wars as a like overarching thing needed to be fixed. But I understand yeah. no. why... After the prequels, it was important for them to do something that felt that felt new, but didn't feel too new, right? That that felt right, right. Yes. That, that that felt enough like the old stuff to make people comfortable. And so, um, you know, I I felt like he was probably a smart choice, if not my first choice to uh, mm-hmm. to do a Star Wars film. So that yeah, that's mm-hmm. that that's sort of how my excitement ebbed and flowed um so emily what what, what were you thinking about in this era of star wars yeah so honestly i can't really remember like around when the trailer first came out i'm sure i 
I'm sure I saw it, but I don't think I was really excited for the movie until maybe like two or three months out. Um, because I, I'm not as huge of a fan as you, I'm sure. And probably a little bit less of a fan than Walter. I'm, I'm mostly a fan of the movies and I do like the movies a lot, but I can't really say I have this long storied, like super intimate relationship with Star Wars as like, like a fandom and things like that. Like I, I've, I've seen the movies and like kind of later in my life, actually, I've kind of appreciated them more than I did as a kid, which and I saw the original trilogy as a kid, but I don't think I really appreciated them um, kind of as this pop culture touchstone until maybe like late high school, early college. Um, Cause I could understand them a little bit better. Not that they're super hard to understand, but I sort of grasped some of the concepts, obviously um, a little bit better than I did when I was like, seven um so yeah i mean i i guess my main thought is like wow i hope they uh hope they're better than the original than the uh you know one two and three um <laughs> like i think i was just hoping we weren't gonna have like a repeat of that and yeah even though i i do like revenge of the sith um those first two movies are just um by first two of course i mean episodes one and two are just pretty unwatchable um, so shit. yeah, yeah, they are pretty, pretty terrible. Yeah. So I think, uh, I, I was definitely like pleasantly surprised when I saw it. I didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. And as much as I, I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. So I was, I was really, I was really, um, yeah, pleasantly surprised with, with, uh, Force Awakens on a first watching first viewing. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that first viewing. Um, you know, well, actually, no, I'm going to back up a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I thought was really smart about the way that the that the Force Awakens was advertised and talked about is it's kind of amazing to think about how little we knew about the movie going into it. Absolutely. There, there yeah, that's true. Very little we knew. Going you know, into it. we knew the names Ray, Poe, Finn, and BB-8. Yeah. We knew Kylo yeah. Ren. <laughs> And I think that might be, and maybe we knew Snoke. Maybe we knew that name. I don't think we knew Snoke Mm-mm. was a thing. Not that I know. I mean, I yeah. of course I didn't. We didn't follow that as close. Yeah. At least yeah. we didn't hear about Snoke. I don't even know if we heard like the the name the First Order. Or Hux. We didn't hear about Hux. What a shame. I'm, <laughs> I'm sad that he was like you know we only found out about him by watching the movie. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a um. It's hmm, how can I put this? I feel like it's one of those things that could only work one time. Mm-hmm. Like th- you had to know more about the second and third installments of this sequel trilogy than you did the first one, just because you're aware of basic properties of these characters, right? Right. But there, there were so many theories out there that were just wild about who these characters were. <laughs> Uh, there was a lot, and this is also, you know, it, it became much more prevalent in the Last Jedi discussion, but there was a lot of, like, dickhead racism popping up oh, around yeah. around oh. Finn being, oh, yeah. being an African-American, or, or he's not he's not American, being a black stormtrooper, you know. Um, yeah. And you just, you just saw sort of an uglier side of the yeah. fandom p- popping up really early. And I wonder if I was just less hashtag online in 1999 mm. when the when the uh, Phantom Menace came out, or if just you know the times that we live in amplify that shit more. But yeah, 
I was, I was nine, bummed. so. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was 11. Sorry. I think I was 11 or 12 when. I, I had a goddamn job when that movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> it was working at a movie theater. I got that I job can't. to see The Phantom Menace um, oh. early. I mean, that that was that was like the uh, late 90s equivalent of being extremely online. Yeah, so. oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I uh, it was disappointing at first to see the negative – Mm-hmm. Just how how instantly negative people were. Yeah, right. and it, I feel like it just got worse. Even with, I mean, I know we're not talking about Last Jedi, but like it just seemed to ramp up. But yeah, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. I think yeah, obviously, like we're seeing those voices amplified. Unfortunately, I'm sure there was bad stuff around Phantom Menace. We just didn't have as many outlets and as ease of as you know the ease of access we have now. Yeah, um, I mean, it, my understanding. You, was that most of the negativity towards the Phantom Menace was directed more towards Lucas himself. Yeah. Um, and, pro- than- and, and probably a fair amount at Ahmed Best, who played uh, Jar Jar Binks. Mm. That's the- right. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess the, um, the actor. Yeah, yes. that's mm. right. Uh, I read some... <laughs> I think you might have, uh, Brian, shared some story about like, you know, what he's doing these days or something like that, and yeah, he he was just treated terribly. I mean, he basically yeah. didn't work again. Like, I I, yeah. think he, I think he still does some VO stuff, but like that's a guy oh, that had a career building and then just ground to a halt. That's yeah. so terrible because I will say, I mean, I don't like Jar Jar Binks, but I was, you know, I was around the age that like a lot of people were seeing. Like, I I, I think I was like maybe a little bit past the age that Jar Jar Binks was supposed to appeal to, but I knew a lot of kids that loved Jar Jar Binks. It was mostly the adults being like, "This is stupid. Why is this in Star Wars?" Like. I think I mean it was very overblown uh, the hatred. I mean I think I think he might have been a little bit better received if those two movies hadn't been so kind of otherwise. They weren't in my opinion, yeah. pretty <laughs> bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, even though there are, I think there are some good things or some creative things about them overall. So, though I do have a grand unifying theory about like the negativity towards the Force Awakens and all this like new Disney Star Wars stuff. Um, beyond just racism and sexism, which there is certainly a sizable portion. Not everyone who doesn't like them is racist or sexist. But if you're, you know, dismissing that, that is not a major motivating factor of the people who are constantly posting online yeah, about can, how much they don't like it. You can tell by how the way people frame the argument, exactly. how it, whether they're being like arguing in good faith or yeah. Not, so. But so my grand unifying theory um, is related to when we were thinking about this podcast was coming up right around this time, Brian, I know this means very little to you, um, (laughs) but you've probably like caught some tiny inklings of this. What's happened with like the new Pokemon. Oh, (laughs) yes. I've basically heard that people are very angry and demanding it be rewritten. Right. And, and particularly the thing that kind of started this out was the news that now that they're almost at a thousand, they're like, guys, we a can't, thousand Pokemon. Yeah, they're almost at a thousand individual Pokemon. They're like, guys, we can't put all of them in the game anymore. Um, this is going to kill our staff. Right. Like, we're already um, crunched. So. so, and that's, you know, kind of, that was the initial thing that made like a lot of folks mad. Um, and I feel like, well, there have been some legitimate criticisms of this new game. I feel like a lot of other things about are being blown out of proportion because of, um, this initial pushback against that, that they're finding other things to nitpick at. 
Likewise with Star Wars, the thing that I remember being the thing that set off all the initial negativity was getting rid of the already established EU stuff. Oh, I forgot about that. That's really, that was, you know, what kind of ignited all of this. And I feel that a lot of the, um, like I said, a lot of the negativity surrounding the Disney stuff can be traced back to the people who were very angry about that. Right. Wasn't there like an official, was that, was there like an official statement or something? Like we are no longer considering the EU canon? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically, um, oh no, the short... crappy X-wing novel I read in 1998 <laughs> is no longer canon. Yeah, That's like awesome. so. So it's like it was shortly after the Disney acquisition. Um, I think I forget if it was before they officially announced that they were making more movies, or like right when they announced that mm. they said, basically, as of today, the only things that are quote unquote canon are all the movies, the Clone Wars TV show, mm. and anything released after this date. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Um, so fan entitlement. You know, the shittiest thing that could have ever happened to right. me. Yeah. I mean, just just not even just people saying like, oh, I don't like the way this is going. Or like, I demand you change this because I give you money. Exactly. But yeah. yeah, that's just not how it works when you purchase entertainment. You buy the entertainment. You didn't pay to like it. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> the, the other part of that is I, I think what... I am not sympathizing with those people at all. I'm just trying to get in sure, crawl, sure. Right, no. outside their brains a little bit, right? I think yeah. part of it is that for folks my age and older, we really thought that we were never going to see these films. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. in your head canon, Luke gets married to Mara Jade and the sky and and you know Han and Leia have they're twins that both become Jedi. One becomes a dark Jedi because there wasn't a term called Sith yet. And like, you know, <laughs> the, these things that happened in the EU became for a lot of Star Wars fans, like the official word. Mm-hmm. And I understand that no one likes to feel like they're being put out to pasture. And sure. I can mm-hmm. understand just like these, especially some of these things have been around for 20 plus years at this point, And to mm-hmm. have all that taken away, I can understand why, from a fandom perspective, that's your excuse to check out. I have a friend named uh, Steve Saipa. What up, Steve? Um, he is <laughs> a big Mets fan, and we do Mets stuff together. And he was a huge EU guy, and he still has not seen some of the newer Star Wars films because he just felt like I really was invested in the EU. Mm. It's not there anymore, and so I'm I'm done. That's fine. And that's a totally yeah. valid response to this. Yeah, sure. I think an equally valid response would be if you saw The Force Awakens and you don't like that uh, that you know that that Han Solo and Leia's marriage didn't work out. I can mm-hmm, understand sure. being like that's a bummer and whatever. I, I think that what what you guys are both pointing to though is this idea of I don't like it, so fix it. Exactly. Right. There doesn't seem to be an acknowledgement that you can just stop engaging with it after a while. Like you can, I I understand like even if you weren't enamored with the idea of the force awakens happening and the EU kind of being, uh, decanonized or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, and then you say you saw force awakens, you're like, this sucks. And you know, like at that point you could say, you know what, I'm just going to stop seeing the new Star Wars movies. This just isn't for me. You can go back and read. I mean, they, it's not like they've stopped. 
Dis since it's been under Disney's right. uh, ownership, they've done a great job of making all, you know, they call them the legends yeah. stuff available. It, it's, you can get all those books still. You can get all those comics still. It's, mm -hmm. It could have been much worse. They could have been like, we're not even going to publish that old stuff anymore because we don't want to like confuse things or whatever. No, they've been great about making some of this older stuff available in yeah, some cases nice. more widely available or easily accessible than it had been before. Yeah, you can just stop. You, you can just do something else. Like, and just a lot of people, I, I guess like it's the sunk cost fallacy. Like I've spent so much of my life on Star Wars. I have to keep engaging with it or else what right. does this mean anymore? So I, like you said, I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's like, stop making yourself miserable. Just maybe think about something else for a while. I don't know. Right. Step I, away. So I, I was thinking about this when prepping for this podcast today, because I wanted to talk about this particular point. Do you guys think that the long fallow periods between films is what makes Star Wars fans more invested like for instance okay, I really I'm a big fan of the Rocky movies they're garbage mm -hmm. but I love them <laughs> that's sure. okay and uh, like there was a period of time where there was where there were no Rocky movies mm -hmm. and in that period of time the dialogue changed about how bad the last couple of Rocky movies were because mm -hmm. people were nostalgic for for Rocky and it wasn't mm -hmm. there anymore. And then, right. but with those movies, there wasn't like nobody as a four year old sees Rocky for the first time, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But I just think that for for properties like James Bond or um, there aren't a lot of movie examples like this, but there are, you know, yeah. I think Star Trek just as a general concept is a good one for things yeah. that don't go away that much. I mm -hmm. think you're so used to there being good and bad and mm -hmm. course correction happening within a relatively short time span that you yeah. don't, you don't throw as big of a fit if something doesn't fit your model that you want it to be. But yeah. because the empire, because return of the Jedi rather came out in 1983 and mm -hmm. the, and the uh, Phantom Menace came out in 1999, mm -hmm. and then the uh, Force Awakens came out in 2015. There's a lot of time in between all of those films, right? And I wonder if yeah. if the sort of waiting around for something new gives you that, more time to I, stew. I think that's a fair point. I actually have a question, real quick. Sure. Did we have any inclination, like after? Revenge of the Sith that there were going to be more movies or was this kind of a surprise? I, that's... I think there were just kind of, there were vague illusions every now and then. That... Did, did Lucas ever talk about wanting to do yes. nine movies total? Yes. Okay. Okay. He did. Um, okay. But it was just kind of sure. like a, is it actually happening or is it not type okay. of thing for a long time? Okay. While? Yeah. Because it was 10 years then between Revenge of the Sith and Force Awakens. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, so. And I think for a lot of people, there was this, it turns out now a misconception that Harrison Ford specifically would not be a part of of new movies. Hmm. He had sort of said a couple of times that he was done with the character and didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, so I think that people sort of felt like, well, if Lucas wanted to do new films, he wouldn't do it without Han Solo. And mm -hmm. if, if Harrison Ford won't do it, then it won't happen. Right. And so when it was announced that Harrison Ford in particular was coming back, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we kind of always, Hamill, of course, 
it was always kind of a given he would come back. Um, yes. I don't know about Fisher if it was as said, but Hamill for sure. Yeah, I think it was I think it was good what they did with Han Solo in this movie. I think he probably needed to not be part of <laughs> to put it lightly, I guess, not be part of the whole thing because I mean, I guess like just thinking about it realistically, I mean, the actors are old. Right. Um and I mean, of course, tragically in the case of Carrie Fisher, you know, she's not actually going to be able to be in all of the movies. Um, so, yeah, bringing them back. I don't know. I guess I have I guess it makes sense. But I do kind of have mixed feelings about it as a, on a whole. Though I guess they are. Obviously, they're done with Han Solo. Han's story is done. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I have to say, and we'll get to we'll get to the films in a second here. Yeah. I think that part of the problem people had with bringing the characters back was this idea that it was going to be their story still. And yes. I think that Abrams did a really good job making it not their story. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, that was definitely, I think, one of the... one of the misconceptions people probably had coming in. And I think that, to their credit, the people who were kind of upset about them getting rid of the EU and such, they knew that it wasn't going to be Han's story, Luke's story, Leia's story anymore. And that's probably a factor in why they didn't want any part of it. Um, Cause they wanted more of those three, even if and they could see the writing at the, on the wall that even if they came back, it wasn't going to be about them anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's people, people, point. yeah, sorry. No, people always want, People always want, they say they want something new and original and something they've never seen, something they've never seen before, but they also want everything they had before right. at the same time. Yep. <laughs> Even Hashtag if, DC Rebirth. Yeah, or that comic book I quote um, that is so apropos for everything. But like, I hated it. I'm going to see it, what, five more times or something? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so let, let's talk about the initial. Uh, the, our initial sort of feelings about the movie, Walter. I know that you are not a an opening weekend kind of guy. I'm uh, not for I movies. That. We saw it. We saw it opening. We definitely saw it within the first week it came. Yeah, out. within the first week, which by my standards, that that may as well be going at like, midnight for Walter. The midnight show. Yeah. yeah, it's very hard to get me in a movie theater anywhere close to release date. It's hard to get me in a movie theater. Period. True. But Star Wars will do it. <laughs> yeah. Usually. Yeah. Not always. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, when, when you walked out of the theater, what did you think about the movie? Emily, let's start with you. I loved it. I remember, I just, it was so entertaining. I couldn't believe how much better it was than, like, it just felt better than the last Star Wars movie I saw in theaters, which, which was, I mean, obviously Revenge of the Sith. I remember coming out of all of those, like, prequel movies kind of being feeling a little bit like I like had someone had punched me in the stomach. I was like, <laughs> I guess that was fine. I don't know. I mean, I was pretty young at the time, even when the last one came out, I was like 17, 18. I was like, I guess that was okay. I guess. Um, but this one I was like, Oh, that was actually, Oh, Star Wars <laughs> is fun. This, this, is, this is really quite good. Um, I don't know if I was like, this is the best thing ever, but I mean, like compared to God compared to like, you know, episode one or two, I felt like I had just seen like 
a criterion masterpiece or something. I was, <laughs> I, I really, I was, I was just kind of like, yeah, I was kind of, I was pretty hyped. Walt. Yeah. Likewise, I was on cloud nine and basically wanted to, after seeing it, um, I don't think I didn't see it a second time in theaters. No. That's even rarer for me. I do um, remember us having the soundtrack on a lot though, which yes, was we put the soundtrack on. I wanted to um sorry, you might be hearing our dog shaking in the background. Yeah, definitely. That's okay. Um, We're a pro dog podcast, so that's fine. Yeah, I remember on like the recent DC three, uh someone's dog was like barking for like an hour. That's okay. <laughs> that, that that was Vince's. Yeah. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> um anyway. Um so you know, I loved it. I was just over the moon i wanted to just ingest more star wars yeah that is that's always a great feeling play the video games Mm -hmm. wanted to read the comics not read the books i've never really got into reading the novels (laughs) for for me for me um star wars is so much a visual thing that the novels uh didn't really never really did too much for me um but yeah for for like at least a few months um, after the movie came out, I was just, my mind was preoccupied with Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. It was very good. I think that I think that was one of the times that I replayed one of the Knights of the Old Republic yeah, games. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I think you played too, because I was, you were like, don't come in here, spoilers. Um, I still need to play. So I still need to actually play Knights of the Old Republic too, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. We just kind of had Star Wars on the brain for a bit. After that, I think for like a couple of weeks, we were just thinking about it. I think we even like, we might have even like rewatched the, um, you know, four, five, and six. Yeah. Like within yeah, the next couple months, because we were just so, like, Star Wars is actually good. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> this is actually really good. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, um, so I, I am, <laughs> as established earlier in this podcast, I'm a crier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, there were a couple of moments in the Force Awakens I thought were very touching, but specifically the mm-hmm. end of the movie mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Ray holding out the lightsaber to Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was just such a brilliant and yeah. provocative way to end that film. Yeah, and, I and, really and, liked ending. Yeah, and we'll get more into the, the sort of the nuts and bolts of the film in a minute. But, sure, um, sure. But you know, I walked out of there and just thought, like, I gotta see it again. Mm-hmm. And I saw it four times in the theater. Um, but I also, <laughs> un- unlike Walter, uh, the movie theater is my favorite place to be. I love mm-hmm. going to the movies. It's uh, it's a comfort thing for me. And so mm-hmm. I am, I just love being in the movies. Uh, so I, I saw it a bunch of times. And, you know, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it was exactly what the franchise needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I hope that that, aspect of it gets carried over for future generations when they watch it mm-hmm. because right. I, I think the context is so important with with all of these things um but like you know the first line of the movie the first spoken line of the movie is this will begin to make things right or, or something like that <laughs> which is like a meta commentary on yeah, star wars bit. in general and yeah. you know if if you lived through the prequels that <laughs> film just feels the Force Awakens feels far more like classic Star Wars yes. than anything else. Sure. Than, than any one moment of the prequel films. Yeah. No um, question there. Yeah. And like you guys said, I mean, I think everybody just felt like, holy shit, Star Wars is back. It's good again. Ooh. 
Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, everyone was and, howling. Everyone was howling. And we just we just wanted more. Yeah. And I think that that is probably the last time we will ever feel that way. Because I, I don't think be. Disney will ever let it sit long enough to nope. feel that way again. No, nope, it's going to go on forever. That is yeah. the problem with franchise fatigue, I think. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, That's a little bit of a preview of, I think, what we'll speak about when we talk about our recent thoughts on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the movie in some more detail and talk about sort of our current thoughts of the film. So uh, stay tuned. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, no bad to end Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and we are back so i don't want to spend too much time going into like every scene in the movie um sure. i think sure. i think especially for these films yeah. these are the first for films that showed up on streaming platforms so i think yeah. people have probably seen these movies a lot of times compared to maybe some of the other films right uh, and uh, so you know but I, I, there are a couple of just sort of big tentpole things i want to talk about i want to talk about ray as a character mm-hmm. a big problem that people had with Ray is this idea of her being quote a Mary Sue mm-hmm. of just you know a character showing up and suddenly having all of these powers and there being no real explanation and just sort of lazy storytelling when it comes to Ray. Sure. Do you guys get any of that when you watch the movie? You got- uh, I'd say maybe <laughs> The slightest bit, but just just barely. I mean, <clears throat> one thing that has, when you look at the history of Star Wars, and particularly the history of when it comes to the Force, is as technology increases, they're able to do more with it. Um, mm. there, there are technological limitations on what they can and cannot do with the Force in the original trilogy. And then they kind of, you know, step that up a bit more in the prequels. And so it makes sense that they would uh, step it up a bit more in these new ones. Um, just the sort of things that can be done with it. Um, and now more that's more so the case, I would say, in The Last Jedi, where we get kind of reality bending stuff um, compared to other things. But there, I do think there's kind of a natural escalation to these stories Mm -hmm. and any with any kind of fantasy which is what star wars is more than it is sci-fi arguably um Mm -hmm. whenever you've got this element of magic you want to do like the next biggest thing constantly you don't want to just be rehashing the same old tricks that we've seen before you want to be doing new and interesting things with it so yeah that's gonna that's going to cause you know some things to be done um that are shall we say that that seem more extreme 
um, yeah. than others. But that's just kind of how this is going to happen. It's it's about it, it's about telling a, a fun story, and so you're kind of just going to naturally have to do stuff that you know kind of take a few steps quicker. We don't we don't need to see like you know Ray training with the um, blast shields up on the helmet like Luke did yeah. all over again. We don't want we don't want to see the same exact starting from square one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I can sort of get it, but looking at it from like a kind of metatextual point of view, I can see why for story's sake, mm-hmm. Ray and the others. I mean, weirdly, no one really complained about that as much with Kylo Ren, um, him being able to like mentally um, torture people and such like that. I think um, sometimes when you're the villain, people kind of just forget about that. Yeah, for they, some just reason. Like, they just assume you have powers. Because... I mean, I guess in his case, he was trained and everything. Yeah. But still, the whole point is that the Force has awakened, um, and <laughs> um, thus the we're seeing them do new and different things. And it, it really didn't bother me too much. I can sort of understand it. But at the same time, it's kind of operating on a video game logic of how stories should act. Yeah. Of, okay, you got to start at level one, and then you get your experience yeah, points, yeah. and then you unlock uh-huh. um, this ability or whatever. And it, it's just not fun storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The one, the one thing in The Force Awakens with Rey that I think is maybe the most glaring example of this is her ability to do the Jedi mind trick. Because yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a ahead. concept she would never have been introduced to, seemingly. Well, well, she just had it done to her though. That I was thinking about this because in the movie she starts to do it after I guess Kylo Ren tries to do it to her. So my thought was that well, she was history, trying to. Was he not doing this? This thing I guess was like a kind of more like mental torture uh, than. Okay. Well. I, I that just, was my read of the scene. I thought she was trying to do it because she had just had Kylo Ren try to kind of mentally manipulate her with the Force. That see, was my read of it. See, that, that scene never bothered me because I always just assumed it's like one of those things like, you know, she knew like the legends of mm. Luke Skywalker and all that. It sounds like one of those things you'd be like, you know, yeah, the, the Jedi just like, you know, they can tell you to do this and you'll yeah. do it. Yeah, um, that's it. That, that's how I always, that that never bothered me at all. I would say. I mean, that's the only scene that I feel like you could even have a conversation. Sure. About yeah. Sure. I, know. I um, go ahead. Yeah. No, uh, I think Ray is mostly is for the most part quite a good character. However, I do kind of feel like, and this this kind of goes to the movie as a whole. There is a little bit of kind of like kind of a focus group kind of feel to her like okay new star wars we need a girl to be the main character and that's that's great that's that's really you know like there's no no problem with that but like there's maybe something a little bit inorganic about sort of her i I don't know the way she's introduced or kind of like her backstory like of course she has to be like an orphan and all this stuff and i don't it, it doesn't really bother me that much i know it kind of sounds like i'm making this a big deal but like i like you said, I kind of get some of the complaints. I wouldn't call it really Mary Sue. I'd call it maybe not as like earnest as Luke, maybe, or I don't know. I mean, it could just be a product of the, you know, franchise being around for a while. And so I'm kind of feeling like, okay, 
you know, new character, what kind of backstory should they get? Okay, they should be a girl, and they shouldn't have, uh, she, her parents should be dead, you know, and all this stuff. It feels a little bit, am I making sense? Um, yeah. Like, yeah, no, like it, it kind of. It, it checks a lot of boxes. Yeah, right, yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, if you connect to that, that's bad or anything, or that, like, you know, your your feelings are fake or whatever. I don't feel that way at all. However, I, there is something, I wouldn't say finical, uh, finical, oh my God, <laughs> fake or cynical about it. I wouldn't go that far, but maybe just like the slightest bit. But I do think for all that, Ray is a good character. She's not my favorite, but I think, I think she is good and probably what the series needed at this point. I think uh-huh. it's, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Yeah, true. If they went with a white dude as the main character a lot of people would have justifiably said, well, Star Wars should have more than just straight white guys at the heart of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when they don't go with a straight white guy at the heart of it, people complain that it's not that also. So, right. And I think yeah. if, if you're going to roll the dice, you roll the dice on the side of, mm-hmm. of inclusion and uh, yeah. broader stories that you could, that more oh. can, can relate to. So Yeah, and I'm trying to throw as many caveats in there. This is just like no, my sort of complicated <laughs> feelings about it. I mean, obviously, I think this is more a good thing than a bad thing, way more of a good thing than a bad thing. But I can't ignore the fact that like this could be just like corporate kind of being like, hmm. Right. What is the, like, w- how can we market this the best way? And, like, I'm not, like, you know, that can have, that can be good and bad. I mean, it's mostly good, like I said. I mean, you know, girls seeing Star Wars now and they're able to connect with the protagonist for probably the first time ever. Um, you know, that that is good. Um, and, uh, you know, like like I said, despite the sort of, like I was saying, the, uh, I mean, focus group might be a little bit harsh, but yeah. I mean, like I said, I feel that, but for the most part, I'm I'm happy with Ray as the protagonist here. That being said, Brian, a little quick aside. Uh, the original trilogy did not have as its star a straight white male because Luke is definitely ace, and that is one of my issues with the EU. And that I could never buy into Luke fucking. No, no way, no how. <laughs> And I'm glad that they rectified that with uh, these new movies. Luke just being like a hermit and yeah. and yeah. Yeah. He's not interested. I am simply too busy to fuck. <laughs> I, I will say I don't, I, I do not have a problem at all with Ray knowing everything, everything she did. I don't, that did not bother me at all that she knew how to pilot something, yeah. to pilot a ship. Like my thing is more just kind of like the whole package, like, you know, the kind of maybe cynical creation of that. But right. other than that, like, I, I do not care at all that she can, I, I think, I think the movie gives you enough sort of like environmental clues about kind of subtle clues about why she can do these things. I, that yeah. doesn't bother me. I mean, also, you know, not, not to get so deep into the bullshit here, but <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, the force is this innate thing. And yeah. at some point, somebody had to first figure it out. And so there are like natural. You would think there'd be natural reasons. It's like masturbation. Yes, that. exactly. <laughs> you, you might have heard about it, it before you did it, but somebody figured it out first. Right? <laughs> so yeah, I don't think it's. I, I, I don't, I don't think we, it's a problem. I don't know if we want to take the comparison much further. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. like... we'll be here all night. That's why. Um, okay, so ne- next I want to talk about Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. and I, I think that people completely misunderstand Kylo Ren 
I think they want him to be cool. And I think his whole point is that he's not cool. <laughs> yeah, he's a loser. Yeah, like yeah, pretty much. And t- see, like when I was a little kid, I was terrified of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. I was terrified of Darth Vader based on almost nothing in the movies. <laughs> you're, you're terrified of Darth Vader because you're a little kid. When you really watch those movies, Vader's middle management. Yeah. And he's relatively unsuccessful middle management. I, know. I didn't realize that until I saw the movies again uh, in like, he, high school. He gets like, shit on by I, like, you know, all everybody. the like, officers. I thought he was the main bad guy. Like Palpatine may as, not, may as well not have existed to me. Right, exactly. I think a lot of people felt that way. You yeah. know, and so I think that Kylo Ren is that. I, so my one criticism, not one, I have a few, but one of my criticisms about J.J. Abrams is I think he took all the subtlety of Star Wars and amped it up. And mm-hmm. so, like, if Vader is supposed to be on the sly, this kind of unsuccessful guy, Abrams makes it very clear that Kylo Ren is a mess. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. think people didn't like that, but I really like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, did you want to go? No, no, you. No, uh, no, I need to organize my thoughts. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I yeah, he's he's a big nerd, basically. Mm-hmm. Um He's a Darth Vader nerd. Yeah, he's like, oh, my my grandfather was so cool. I want to be just like him. Um, Yeah, I am a little confused, though, about, like, why he, what exactly he, does he just want to be evil? But, okay, anyway. Yeah, because he's like, I I feel the pull towards the light. I guess I guess it's supposed to reflect sort of a conflict as far as, like, his upbringing. Obviously, we don't know this in The Force Awakens about the, what happened with Luke, but, yeah. Also... I'm I'm still uncertain whether does anybody know about um, Anakin's you know last minute. Oh, does anybody besides Luke know about his um, face turn, if you would? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's that's an excellent question. Because that's all. That's what I you always mean killing Palpatine. Yeah, that's what I got the impression with when it came to Kylo was that he he assumes that Vader died still on the side oh. of the Empire. That's yeah. what I've always had the impression. I never of. thought of that before. And that he never, um, okay, he never knew that in his last moments um, he saved Luke. Well, um, I, I right. feel, let let let's unpack that for a second. If you're Luke, do you do you share that story? I think that's. Um, I'd have to go back and see because. Is it known? How widely was it known that, well, okay, I guess. I don't think so. Because he's so, I mean, as far as the movies show him, like, after this, he kind of just goes into seclusion, kind of, right? Or, right. no, I mean, he he trains Jedi, but well, I mean, for all you, of- So you figure, I believe, oh, I'm such a fucking nerd. I believe <laughs> that Kylo, uh, that, that Ben Solo is born, like, four or five years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. Sure. So let's say that. He starts training him when he's like eleven or twelve. It seems like, right? Right. Based right. on the the last Jedi stuff we know, so that's a solid fifteen years after Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Luke would have sort of gone into seclusion. But okay, I, I you got the impression that Luke never wanted to be General Skywalker, right? Right. No, he, wa- he wanted he wanted to be doing his own thing. But I also think like when you you know. And, and this is one of the things that some of the new canon novels do pretty well is it, it shows the New Republic as an organization that is also capable of propaganda. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would think that the story is much better that Lando Calrissian and the and the uh, Rebel Alliance blew up the Death Star, right? And that the Emperor was on it, and so we killed the Emperor. That's mm-hmm. much yeah. better propaganda than there happened to be a Jedi fight going on at the same time that right. that sort of led all of this to be possible. Um, yeah. So I don't know if Kylo Ren is aware of that. I mean, I don't even know. Do you think Luke told Leia what happened? I would think he would have told Leia. I don't think Kylo Ren knows. I think that would... <sighs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe I... he just doesn't believe them, too. That yeah, I think too. I think he's operating the way he acts it makes me think he either doesn't know or doesn't believe it. Yeah. And just the way the movie is structured, it makes me think he doesn't know. He's totally o- operating under the assumption that Darth Vader was always this sort of monolithic villainous figure and sort of infamous for that. And you know, the the sort of the I guess the symbol of him being drawn towards uh darkness yeah <laughs> the dark side of the force yeah yeah um by the mask which i'm yes. not sure how he got but anyway I-, I am really shocked we haven't been told that story yet yeah but i can guarantee you coming to a novel or comic very shortly <laughs> yeah. will be that story yeah like, just like the story of how c3po got his red arm yeah, that was. I laughed at that. By James Robinson. Yes, by James I, Robinson. <laughs> Tony Harris, I think. Uh maybe just the cover. Tony Harris could be yeah. wrong. Covers by Tony Harris. Yeah. That's it. Could be wrong. Um, but yeah. So, and I think that Kylo Ren's one of the more interesting bits of of the Force Awakens to me is that there is a very there's a moment in the film when everything can change. And mm-hmm. the same thing happens in The Last Jedi, but we'll talk about The Force Awakens for now. Mm-hmm. What, I don't think I ever really believed it, but there's a minute when Han is talking to Ben that you think that Han can turn him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that would have been a bolder choice from a storytelling perspective mm. to not have the sort of... Because when you look at it, it's very clear who Darth Vader is, who the Emperor is, who Luke is, you know, all those, the archetypes are all filled again yes. by these yeah. new characters. And so to fuck with that would have been stylistically, I think, very interesting to do. Uh, but obviously, right. that's not going to be, um, you know, necessarily the, uh, yeah. you know, the best way to go about this. Right. I mean, obviously, like, the exciting choice for a movie was what they did, was having was having Kylo kill his father. And then, you know, the sort of, which leads to the lightsaber fight in the forest. But you're right that maybe a bolder kind of, uh, yeah, like maybe more interesting choice would be to have Han live for a little bit. And like, you know, this guy that we thought was going to be like the big villain of the new uh, trilogy instantly, you know, right from the start, be more reluctant ally or something of that sort. And then yeah. the same thing happens in The Last Jedi when he kills Snoke. Right. Like yes. we, get, we get that sort of same feeling of, of this. And it's the, sort of the opposite of Vader. As as the Star Wars movies go on, you believe less and less that Vader can be turned. Mm-hmm. Until yes. he eventually is. You know. Um, yeah. I do kind of wonder what they're going to do with him now because he has he's the big bad guy now. Basically. So, I mean. So he Snoke has to dead. die. Yes. 
in some way. But I kind of wonder, like, will he? I, everything points to him being re, being redeemed. And I think, like, every time I think, like, maybe it won't happen, I feel really stupid. But I, I don't know. I almost feel like that would be kind of interesting. Like, what would they do with that? But like, there's no way because they're gonna do something where he's gonna. If this come is truly, back in some way. Yeah. if this is truly the end of the Skywalker saga, he's a Skywalker. Yes. yes, he has to be. He has to be taken off the table. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. Any other Kyler Ren thoughts before we uh, move along? Um. None that are appropriate for radio. <laughs> Shut up. No, I was not going to say anything about Kylo Ren <laughs> being cute. Okay. Yes, he's cute. Um. Uh, his face looks like his. Like it was run over by a uh, steamroller, but that's okay. It looks good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that to me that means it looks good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you guys can all um, uh, be quiet about no, that. No, I, I don't. I don't. Dis- <laughs> I don't dislike uh, Adam Driver. He's a good-looking man. <laughs> I have to say, one of my favorite bits of Star Wars Twitter before the movie came out was mm-hmm. all the jokes of him just being his character from Girls. Um, oh, okay. You I, know, like I, like I, there were a lot of like Kylo Ren eats ass, uh, you know, memes and stuff. Oh, really? Okay. And, yeah, and that that just uh, makes me laugh. So. Yeah. Well, the funnier jokes were was in um, Last Jedi when he takes his shirt off and he's just a really <laughs> weird boxy body. Yep. Like it's my turn at the Xbox. Like <laughs> that my, was very funny. Like I'm not defending that. I mean, he no. looks a little strange there, but. My anyway. personal favorite Kylo Ren meme was created by myself and retweeted exactly <laughs> once, which was, have you guys seen Inside Lewin Davis? No. The Coen Brothers movie? No. So there's a song in Inside Lewin Davis that is sung by uh, Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver. What? Yes, really? Yes. Okay. And um, Adam Driver's part is just over and over going, outer space, outer space. <laughs> Space, and so I took a picture of Kylo Ren and I just put outer space over it. And if you've seen Inside Lewin Davis, it's a very good joke, and no one fucking gave me credit for it. So it's, it I'm sounds just... like a good joke, oh, Brian. I... I wish that I had seen the movie so I could have given sure. you those sweet, sweet I... retweets. There, there's like some. I think Kylo Ren is a good character. He's one of the better, one of my favorites from, I guess, this new trilogy. Um, I le- I think the scene where he destroys the console is very funny yes it's it like is. the funniest yeah it's like the funniest scene those stormtroopers walk away that felt like a very star warsy it felt more star warsy than some of the other jokes the movie made yeah i do think we were talking about this when we were watching it last night that's and i felt and i did i did feel this way when i first saw it that there are some quips that feel more like modern like marvel mm, yeah. marvel movie type yeah. clips, yes. like like that yeah. scene where it's like so, you know, do you start talking? Or do I yeah. start talking? That feels more like it feels oh. in a Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, compared to, oh, what was the one that felt really classic? Um, oh, um, Finn said something about, like, uh, he was talking to himself or something. He was trying to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, stay calm, stay calm. It's like, yeah, I am yeah. calm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking calm. to myself. Yeah. That, that felt more like, you know, just like a joke that would be in a original yeah. Star Wars trilogy type thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think you guys kind of summed up the the Kylo Ren uh, discourse. So I added the like, oh, he's very cute thing. So I think that's all I have to say. Um, <laughs> so the last sort of set of characters I want to talk about are everyone's favorite space couple, mm. uh, Poe Dameron and Finn. OTP. Yeah, also very attractive people. Uh, um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like Oscar Isaac's. Um, they have uh, they have fantastic uh, yeah. chemistry and. I- really like 
I, I don't expect Disney to make a canon. No. I I would. It would be great if they did. I I don't think they deserve like I, a standing ovation for it because especially right. when we're talking about monolithic. Um, culture factories right. like Disney. It just, wanna... it just reflects they're where kinda, we are already. Right. They're kind of just doing it for points. Stances. Right. Yeah. Like, um, it would, it'll be like, good. Right. That's what you should have done. You don't get cookies yeah. for doing what you should have yeah, done. Yeah, obviously, like, as not a member of the gay community, like, I'm not sure. disparaging anybody that gets something from this or feels, you know, really represented, feels good about this at all. It just, like, for me, I feel weird kind of patting corporations on the back for this kind of thing. Agreed. But at any rate, yes. Um, uh, Finn and Poe, great chemistry. I think Finn, like, on this last viewing of Force Wings, I'm like, I think Finn's my favorite, like, protagonist character. He's so earnest in a way that I feel like was kind of missing from Star Wars. Um, right, he feels he feels a bit more like a person rather yeah. than an archetype. I really like him a lot. Um, yeah, like no no problem. I, I just yeah, he's great. He feels like a guy who just woke up in Star Wars and then was uh, trained to be a stormtrooper. And <laughs> that's exactly what um, kind of happened. He was he <laughs> yeah. was trained from he was obviously like a child soldier. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I just like Finn a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I have any deep thoughts about him. I just think he's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that. So, uh, Multiversity, uh, former editor, in addition to Walt, is uh, someone named Matt Garcia. Matt was on the New Hope episode of the show. Matt and I just finished reading um, the Alphabet Squadron novel, which is a, a, a novel set uh, sort of in a similar time frame to The Mandalorian, a couple of years after Empire, uh, Return of the Jedi, rather. And okay. there's a lot of time spent in that book being like, Hashtag not all Imperials. Like try, yeah. trying to, to whitewash the sins of mm. the Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like they don't understand why it's different for Finn. Mm-hmm. But Finn was mm-hmm. literally brainwashed into this. Like right. Finn did mm-hmm. not, as an adult, make a decision to become an evil person. Right. Right. And I think the way the movie frames it, it's not trying to make you think, oh, man, maybe the Imperials are right or something like maybe or like it's not trying to get you to sympathize with stormtroopers as a whole at all. It's just saying like this one guy, you know, and and, there are are probably some like him. Right. That is like, you know, representative of that. He fought against their like, I guess, brain reprogramming thing, which I guess a lot of them are like that. It makes you think about it, I guess. But yeah, like I don't think the movie at all is trying to say like this system or this sort of like infrastructure they have of, of <laughs> child soldiers. I mean, obviously it's not really a very bold, I guess, like moral statement to make that it's bad, but the way, I mean, I guess, I guess they needed to have, it was good that they had a character like this as well to have somebody on like the inside of the bad guys, but to not actually be a bad guy at all, really. Um, yeah, I have, I have a little bit more to say about Finn. I don't really want to jump to it. It's kind of a, random point but go for, um, it. go for it oh um another thing i really like about him I, I just thought this was an awesome choice is that when he gets a lightsaber one of my favorite parts of the movie is when he fights kylo ren with the lightsaber and the way he uses it is very much like a bludgeon like he's clearly not using it like a force sensitive person would do i don't actually know if he is force sensitive i don't think that was ever suggested but yeah, like he kind of just uses it like a hammer against Kylo Ren. Yes. He, he doesn't really have any sort of finesse with it. But it was 
it was great. I think the way they communicated that, the way that uh, Boyega sort of just this like, you know, blunt force with the lightsaber. I thought that was great. Um, and I like noticed that on my first viewing. I was like, that's awesome. That's like so different from the way like Kylo Ren or, you know, pretty um, much anybody. anybody uses a lightsaber. Um, it was very brutal. I loved that. So, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we got to talk about his his partner in crime, Poe Dameron. <laughs> Poe Dameron, um, yeah. In in The Force Awakens, Poe does not get that much to do. Not um, really. But at the same time, I think they do a lot of good character work. Yeah, Poe yes. is great. I, yes. I think I think in The Force Awakens, he mainly just carries stuff by his sheer charisma. Uh, yeah, um, I think there's not a lot of character details about Poe in The Force Awakens. I think in ways he feels a little bit more organic than some of the other characters. Like. He feels like he really fit. I, I just was going to say, like, he... I guess this sounds kind of dumb, but I was going to say he feels like he really fits in the story. I don't know. Like, he he doesn't hog up a lot of time, but the time he's there, you know, feels meaningful. And, yeah. like, even when he kind of has the fake-out death, it's like... I don't remember. I don't remember what I thought at the time when he died. I was like, okay, well, I guess maybe he's dead, and now BB-8's going to be with uh, Poe and Ray, Or, sorry, uh, Finn and Ray. Um, but you know, when he came back and stuff and he's kind of like, he's kind of like the new Wedge Antilles, right? I guess he's the new, like really good ace pilot, which is great. And it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like a Wedge, uh, you know, like rehash because number one, Wedge doesn't have that many lines in the original movies. Uh, so it's more like, it's like, Hey, Wedge Antilles actually has a real role and not just a sort of a pilot you see for like 20 seconds total. Right. (laughs) I'm glad that they resisted. The, I mean, I, I think in in broad strokes, he's the pilot in the way Han was the pilot, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they really, they, but they really go out of their way to not just make him a Han Solo clone. Yes, right? Yeah, sure. he is very much not that at all. Um, and I also think that he's a character that you almost don't need to know anything about him going in. You could, you could have never seen a star Wars movie and understand exactly mm-hmm. who he is. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's a good thing for this film. Um, oh yeah. And my last sort of big Poe comment is that while I was very happy to see him return when, when we think he's maybe dead, I also sure. think that again, how much more interesting story storyline would it be if they did kill off a main character very early? Mm, on? You right. know, uh, I'm yeah. not advocating for it. I'm just saying that right. in terms of making something new, that sure. would have felt more new and more different than yeah than what we got. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, of course, but like, I mean, Force Awakens is very much like a love letter to A New Hope, right? I mean, there's so much. Because, like, the sort of the main, like, I guess, MacGuffin of the plot is, like, the star map that, uh, I mean, at least I I thought of, like, the hologram that uh, R2-D2 has, you know. And then the end, R2-D2 has the whole star map, and then BB-8 has the missing piece that shows where Luke is. And I thought, I assumed that was, like, you know, a callback to um, A New Hope. I mean, another callback, kind of just, like, an echo of that. Um, There were a lot. Of Echoes of a New Hope, as I said. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I kind of lost the the plot of where I was going with that. But, yeah, like, um, yeah, someone else pick it up. I forgot where I was going. 
just yeah no i think we've said all that needs to really be said about poe and the yeah okay i started with poe i couldn't reverse like i was like was i done with poe i can't remember because yeah yeah, like like i said i do think as charismatic as he is in this in this movie there's not much to him yeah okay Um, yeah sorry i remember i was gonna say like there's more they give him more to do in the second movie and they kind of show his faults more right in that movie way more he's very perfect in this i think He's very kind of idealistic hero guy yeah. who might be the hero in another movie, but he just happens to be like your really strong friend. Um, <laughs> by the way, Brian, have you seen the anime opening uh, version of, of The Force Awakens that someone made? Is it the <laughs> official like Star Wars animated thing? No, no, no. Oh, no, then I have not I'm seen sorry. this. Yeah, we'll, like, sorry I'll send to it to you track. after the... Uh... Uh, it's, it's one of the best things anyone ever even if i would have hated even if i had hated the force awakens like this thing existing would have it's it's just so good i can't really describe in words do we throw links in the show notes we can yes for sure yeah okay yeah i'll send that to you and you should watch it too everyone has to see it it's incredible um yeah anyway okay (laughs) poe dameron good character yes good character so um i guess we're gonna wrap up here we've been talking for a while because this is what we do on this show um, we're gonna talk about sort of how we feel about the film now. You know, now that we've had four years with it, almost we've had the Last Jedi come and go. We've had uh, a lot of conversation about what Star Wars is and isn't in 2019. So mm-hmm. you guys just watched the film last week, right? Last yeah. night. Last night. Last night. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, what are your thoughts on the film four years in? So for me, at least, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. It's part of like a broader thing right now where I'm you know, thinking about just corporate produced art in general. Um, mm-hmm. And so all my thoughts about this with Star Wars, it's, it's not just part of like my thinking about Star Wars. It's part of my broader thoughts about art, um, as pretentious as that sounds. Um, and of course, like I don't mean that in like a, oh, you know, I'm only consuming real art now. No, you know, sure. I'm a superhero comics fan. I, I love, I live for this shit. Um, but I do think that kind of, as we alluded to earlier, this feeling of how like now Star Wars is going to be like a yearly thing, um, or at least until it's no longer sustainable. Um, but we're, we're basically seeing the MCUification of mm. Star Wars. Yeah. That it's just kind of becoming this, it's going to keep on coming out. Um, and I don't really feel like there's a single creative vision behind it. Um, yeah. And I do think that still, that does kind of stick when you watch The Force Awakens now, that I think Abrams did a good job. And like, like you know, for any time, like, people like criticize it for, Oh, it's basically just like a new hope. Like Abrams isn't stupid. He did that on purpose. Right. right. Yeah, of course. No, yeah. He didn't like accidentally thought. step backwards into a new hope. Yeah. Right. Just go, right. Oh shit. Right. I did it again. <laughs> um, and, and so like, I think he's aware of this in making it. Um, and I think that in like some ways, the point of this being kind of an echoing of a new hope, is that for better or for worse from here on out 
Star Wars is something different than what it was before. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, again, for better or for worse, the the original trilogy and the prequels, um, while they were, of course, like any sort of tentpole franchise that has all these spinoffs, they were, in some factor, money-making endeavors. There was still yeah. the vision of a single person, George Lucas, behind it, um, with, of course, a lot of other talented people, but he was kind of the guiding force. Now, sometimes that wasn't always for the best. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, certainly. Yeah. But... I do think that as bad as most of the prequels are, I still do have a soft spot for Revenge of the Sith. As as bad as one and two are, there's still like a feeling of people made this. Sort of a heart and more of a heart and soul behind it. Right. And as much, as much as I like the force awakens, it does feel it, it does like kind of like what we were talking about with Ray and just broadly expanding to the whole thing. It, it does feel a bit manufactured. It's very well made. That's yeah. what Disney does. They know how to make things that kind of hide through a veneer, like a kind of a veneer of authenticity that isn't really there. Um, a very pretty and fun illusion, maybe. Yes, <laughs> that Disney magic, as people like to say. Um, I think people say that. Yes. Disney magic. Uh, yeah, okay. probably. Oh, I was thinking Orioles magic. I mean, that's the thing they used to say at Orioles Park. <laughs> no, not Orioles magic anymore. I'd no. say that. Um, <laughs> Goodness, no. <laughs> Orioles curses, more like. But... Um, so, I do think. I think that the comparison that I was thinking about that'll be. Sorry, Emily, this is like, you know, going into oh, comics no. speak. Oh, I thought um, you were going to diss something I liked. No, time. no, not this time. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. <laughs> is that I feel like J.J. Abrams here is playing a sort of role that Jeff Johns does in Absolutely. DC Absolutely. Comics. Absolutely. Um, that, it, that it's like really, it's very well done. It's enjoyable. It's co- clearly coming out, out of a place of a love of what someone else made. But in the end, it's still clearly something that somebody else made. Yes. Um, and I I still like the movie a lot. I had a lot of fun watching mm-hmm. it last night. Um, and I do think Abrams, again, like most of the cases with Jeff Johns, he gets it. Um, there, there's a lot of just like little things, particularly when you're still on Jakku, that they're kind of aping the best qualities of Lucas's movies of like, you know, the fun little background details that don't really serve any purpose. They're just kind of cute. And yeah. like when Ray makes that bread, right. Oh yeah. Stuff like that. Is it the perfect star Wars moment, even though it doesn't really reflect anything else from star Wars, it right. just feels perfectly yeah. of that world. Oh yeah. Those first few moments of her are really good storytelling of like, with like no talking. Yeah. Yeah. But in the end, it feels like not, you know, we're talking about timeline. You know, most of these, you know, movies are coming out. Most of everything is coming out after Return of the Jedi, but except for a few things here and there. Um, and but just like in terms of when it came out, I feel like there's always going to be a distinct difference in overall feel. Because even though you had 
all this like EU stuff before where it was still kind of the same thing where it was other people playing in Lucas's uh, sandbox. Um, <laughs> there, Excuse me. He was still a presence that still kind of hung over everything. Um, and so like, yeah, there was the feeling that he could just kind of come in and say like, well, I don't, I, I kind of, I mean, kind of like, you know, he inf infamously, I'm, I'm pretty sure, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering, but I think he didn't like uh, the Gendi Tartakovsky um, Clone Wars mm. animated series. And he was just like, all right, you know, that that's not canon anymore. I'm doing my own Clone Wars. <laughs> right. <story."> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think you could, you could do some interesting stuff still like in the broader universe, but he was still a presence. And so from now on, it's not, there will of course be times when something needs to be retconned or whatever, but it's more like a, it's always going to be more of like a manufactured um, process. Yes. And I think you do get that when watching The Force Awakens. Yes. Um, and, and, and I will say that there there's good and there's bad with that. Um, yes. I think from a viewer's standpoint, you're going to get more consistency out of Star Wars. Mm -hmm, yes, mm -hmm. for sure. And that's not a bad thing. Um, but I yeah. also think that, especially after the backlash of The Last Jedi, you're going to get less auteur-driven stuff, too. Like, The Last yeah. Jedi, for for whatever you want to say about it, I think it's pretty hard to argue that doesn't feel substantially different than a lot of other Star Wars films. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if you're going to ever get that again. Yeah. Yeah. On yeah. that high profile of a of a scale, right, right, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I think these uh, Force Awakens is. I'm going to echo probably a lot of what Walter said. I mean, I think it's eminently watchable. I think it's super entertaining, and I think now I think we've kind of traded something for the certainty that we're going to have more Star Wars. If that makes sense, like yeah. now yes. that Disney is kind of like. You're going to have one every two years. Like, I think that takes something out of the chance that you're going to get something weird and really great, perhaps. Mm. I know a lot of people feel that way about The Last Jedi. Uh, I really like The Last Jedi, too. However, I kind of feel like, to me at least, like, there wasn't enough different... Like, the way people were talking about it, I thought it was going to be this, like, iconoclastic... In some ways, it was... Like, to me, I was like, was it really, like, that crazy... Like, it wasn't completely outside of the realm of possibility that something like this could happen. Right. So, I don't know, maybe my expectations were just really high from the way people were talking. But, I, like I said, I think just the commodification now, I mean, I guess that's something that's stupid to say about Star Wars, which has been commodified for, you know, 40, <laughs> like, the toys and everything. Like, just know that I mean, like, as far as, like, Disney has its stranglehold on it now. And it's going to be like, Star Wars will come out every two years. And every other year, you're probably going to get, like, a, uh, you know, like a... Uh, origin movie or some kind of like other side story um you get a baby yoda yeah, yeah good and bad i mean like with certainty comes sort of this kind of like maybe sort of uh, um i don't know the word like like sort of i can't think of a word but like like normalization or just kind of like you might kind of get the same thing over and over just a little different i don't know that's the feeling i get i mean i think like as it goes on we're gonna feel this way and it might still be really good. It might still be really fun, but there might be something a little bit soulless about it. Right. Well, and, and I think that this is, you know, I, again, I think this is hard for us because the three of us all grew up with Star Wars. But mm -hmm. I wonder if we hold 
the concept of Star Wars to a higher standard than people who were older than us when they came out. Mm. Like it was never Perhaps. independent yeah. cinema, right? right. It, it was it, yeah. it was never uh it was never supposed to be high art. No. You know, no. and I think that not that I think it's high art or whatever, but when yeah. some when something is with you your whole life, you have I, a different yeah. you have a different view of it. Yeah. Um, and I yeah, I do think there's something more fun and like unique and just interesting about Star Wars than like Marvel or like I don't know. I'm trying to think of like another huge move, tentpole movie thing. Like I guess like I guess I say like Disney or Pixar movies. Like it's the big huge global phenomenon thing that I'm right. like the most interested in, I guess, Absolutely. and I think has the most potential to be something more than just kind of a yeah. popcorn flick. And like usually they are, but I mean like I've I just feel like if anything is going to surprise me a lot, like uh, Jedi last Jedi did surprise me in some ways. I'm just saying like relatively relative to what I was hearing. I was like, Oh, I was expecting like something crazier than that. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Like I said, my expectations were kind of high, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Star Wars has, I think more potential to be interesting. I think that the way that they're going about it now that potential, especially as you said, they were kind of going for it with The Last Jedi, but since it was so like, you know, mixed, they're probably not going to let this happen again. So the potential for anything interesting truly being done with them, I think, is going to rest solely in what are considered like the spin-off movies, your mm-hmm. Rogue Ones and such. Um in whatever like the quote unquote main trilogy at the time is going to be, I don't think we're going to see yeah. Like, whereas, like, in the original trilogies, there's a lot, or at least in the very original trilogy, not maybe not so much in the prequels, but even though, yes, it was a corporate endeavor, um, it was, I don't want to say small enough, because Star Wars was never really small, but no. it, it's still, like, there's stuff in there for, to just truly enjoy, like, no qualifications, like, this is, there are elements of, like, truly mm-hmm. great cinema in there yeah maybe not from genre. start to finish but um there are just certain bits and snippets there yeah whereas um when it comes to i think what we're going to have now um it'll that any like chance of it being truly brilliant on accident will be limited to the more side stuff yeah um because with any, especially again, and this is not our subject, that'll be the next, well, I guess two or three podcasts from what you record now. Yeah. Um, but with, as, as you said, Brian, The Last Jedi, I think they're going to just iron out mm-hmm. anything that could be interesting and it'll still be good. It'll still be entertaining. I'll still see uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. And I'll come out and I'll be like, oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but as with any, as with like, you know, the Avengers movies or such, you know, there, there's going to be like an element of it is. Yeah. Just as I said, yeah. iron, ironed out. Yeah. At least with star Wars movies, I feel like I was like, they could do something really interesting. Whereas with like Marvel movies, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just here for the, um, the adrenaline rush and the yeah. um, the popcorn, you know, like I don't really have any like expectations at all of Marvel movies. They are fun, but uh, yeah, Star Wars. I'm like, 
we might never get something brilliant again. That's fine. I'll wait. <laughs> it could it could happen. Just but I think there's less chance less chance of it now. But I will also say that I think, like I, I'm I'm basically repping for my regular co-host Matt here, who says that like Clone Wars and Rebels are the best Star Wars. Essentially, is his his opinion on that, um, and that I think mm-hmm. that you can. I think you can find anything you want to find in Star Wars because it is so big. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. There are people who think the animated stuff is the best. People think that the books are the best, the comics, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like you can find what Star Wars is to you. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a fair amount of that to be yeah. had. <laughs> Excuse um, me. Yeah. <laughs> I but... agree with that. I feel, it's a huge space. And I feel like uh, you're right. Like there's so much you can take from it. I think like, you know, I mean, it is, it, you know, it's supposed to appeal to kids, to young people, but there are parts of it that you can sort of expand on and talk about in a more mature way or, you know, kind of in a different sort of vein than you would saying like, um, space fights are cool. Um, they are, they are, but I mean like, yeah, there's, there's more to talk about with it, I think, than, than a lot of these other big tent pole things. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for hanging out tonight. I really appreciate it. Where can people find your good opinions on the internet? Um, so, well, as you mentioned at the beginning, we co-host the Multiversity Manga Club. Yeah. Um, with Zach, who has been on this podcast at least once. Yes, a couple um, times. A couple mm-hmm. times. Um, also on the DC3 cast with you. Yep. Um, our our good boy. Um, <laughs> he's he's the um, good uh, the positive opinions. Yes. Of the podcast, yes. On Manga Club, on Manga Club, he's he's yeah. the mercenary on the DC Two cast. <laughs> he's he's the good like, he's I'm, the good boy on your podcast. I'm dropping this and this, yeah, like. Yeah. Um, so you can always check out that. Uh, we have a new episode twice a, twice a month. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, yeah. We we now do it twice monthly. Um, otherwise, uh, I am on Twitter at goodbye to a shoe. Please don't follow me, but I am at Cosmos, <laughs> of course. Why shouldn't people follow you? My, unless you just want to read dumb shit all day. But I guess, I mean, that's why you're on Twitter, That's right? why you're on Twitter, I'm, exactly. Not there to read, like, you know, your the, the news, really. Yeah. Who, who reads Twitter for news? You, you just read, if you read Twitter for news, it'll watch your brain. <laughs> you're, you're insane, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're there to read funny takes on the news. That'll still rot your that brain, will... but at least you'll have fun with it. Yeah, that'll exactly. rot your brain. And not just be angry all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm still angry all the time, too. Never mind. <laughs> Don't go on. I don't Twitter. know. I have fun on there. I don't. I don't my brain is rotted, but I, I have enough fun that I'm not like um, totally poisoned against it yet. So, yeah, well, that, that works for me. Um, yeah. I'm on Twitter at, at Brian needs a nap. I'm on too many podcasts. I'm doing too much on multiversitycomics.com. You are, uh, <laughs> but that's 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 the way it is, baby. Uh, this show <laughs> is this show is weekly until the end of the year. Mm. So enjoy. All the Star Wars hype as we get ready for the Last Jedi. Well, I'm not the Last Jedi. My goodness, uh, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Thank you. Um, if you missed it somehow last week, which is actually not being recorded until tomorrow, but through the magic of editing, uh, last week's show is about the first couple episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, we're gonna do a watch along with the Star Wars holiday special in a few weeks. Oh god! Oh, so um, make sure to check out that. And is that on Disney Plus? No, it is not. It is on the interwebs if you look hard enough, though. It, it is still scrubbed. <laughs> All right. Yes, it is. See, um, I'm. I have a. I don't want to get too far off, but I have Disney like are a, cowards. I have a theory that. that like there are certain like conditions when Lucas sold Lucasfilm 
that, that they still had to abide by. Um, cause I think that, yeah, they would release it cause they know it's like, you know, too much of a potential for like a cult hit. Um, well, the Mandalorian has two very specific references to the holiday special. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's brave. One of them is just the gun that, that the Mandalorian uses is basically the gun Boba Fett has in that, uh, in the cartoon <laughs> portion of that. But the other one is that, um, uh, Horatio Sands's character, and yes, Horatio Sands is on The Mandalorian. He he says he hopes to be home by Life Day, which is the Wookiee holiday <laughs> from uh, the Star Wars holiday special. So. Does Lumpy show up? Lumpy does not show up, unfortunately. Oh, Nor man. is there like a fifteen-minute hologram dance for no did, reason. Did you, did you get to talk about McClunky yet? Oh shit! Yeah, has there been a McClunky <laughs> reference? On I b- I believe Vince and I talked about McClunky on our Return of the Jedi episode. Well, okay. I think that was awesome, and that was such a that was such a Chad move from George Lucas. If that was indeed what happened, that he just yeah. kind of was like, "Let's add this line to Greedo's scene yeah. that everyone's already mad about." <laughs> it's it's great, great choice. All right, sorry to keep uh, diverting it. Yeah. Thanks okay. for having us on, Brian. That's okay. I, I, <laughs> I do think that maybe maybe in the new year we'll have to do like a deep dive into McClunky. We'll get a, uh, so. a crack uh, yeah. team together and figure out, get to the bottom think, of this McClunky business. Yeah, I think we need to talk about it in depth for sure. Yeah, well, I'll have you guys back on for sure when that happens. Okay, cool. Absolutely. And uh, until next time, the Force will be with you always. Always.